0: This is Daff Café and Masechet Rosh We will begin on Kaftal Adamud Bet. Very last line of the Amud with the new Mishnah containing some very famous uh, stories. Ma'aseh shanaim v'amor ra'inu shachrit Two witnesses came and said, we saw the moon, according to Rashi's interpretation, we saw the moon of the previous month in the sky, in the morning. And we saw in the evening we saw in the evening in the West, the new moon. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri said, that's impossible, because we know that there's a break of 24 hours where the moon is invisible between the old moon and the new moon, and therefore, could not possibly be that these people really saw the new moon. But when they came to Yavneh, Rabban Gamliel accepted it. Now this is the interpretation according to Rashi, uh, that Rashi brings that his teachers say. He himself says, that no, they're talking about that they saw the new moon in two different positions, one in the morning, one in the evening, that would be impossible for it to go from one to the other in the allotted time. Another case was that two people came and said, we saw it in its proper time. Meaning we saw it on the night of the 30th, right after the 29th day of the month, that night following that, which is the night of the 30th, we saw the moon, but then it wasn't. A, it wasn't a, uh, in the sky on the thirty-first. In other words, it wasn't. A, it wasn't. It didn't appear. The Rabban Gamliel accepted it. In other words, he accepted the Kiddush Chodesh that was done on the thirtieth day, based on the testimony, even though on the thirty-first day it still wasn't visible. So, really, it would have been. Uh, it, the assumption would be that it wasn't really visible on the night of the thirtieth either. The thirtieth shouldn't have been a Rosh Chodesh. It should really have been the thirty-first. Uh, because if it doesn't even appear on the thirty first, then how could it have been visible on the thirtieth? But of course, we can't go any further than the thirty first. So, really, it should have been pushed off to the thirty first. So, Rabban Gamliel though accepted their testimony that they saw it on the first, even though it wasn't visible on the thirty first, and therefore he accepted. Uh, so he accepted the one the, the the testimony that they said that they saw it on the thirtieth, and he made that the Rosh Chodesh. Rabbi, Rabbi Dosab ben Hulkinas. Rabbi Dosab ben Urkinas said, "Ede They are false witnesses. How can you testify about a woman that she gave birth? The next day her stomach is between her teeth. In other words, she's still fully pregnant the next day. And he said she just gave birth. Meaning how could you testify that the moon appeared on the 30th, if on the 31st, it's not there? Rabbi Yoshua said, I see what you're saying. You're right. Rabbi Yerushua sent the message to Rabbi Yoshua. Which was gozarni alecha. I make I I I decree upon you. You must come to me at the Yom Kippur that falls out according to your calculation. In other words, my calculation is that Ol was one day earlier, and therefore Yom Kippur is one day earlier. You are saying it should be one day later. I want you to come on that day, which is according to me the 11th of Tishrei. According to you, is the 10th of Tishrei. is Yom Kippur, and come with to me carrying your stick and your money bag. To show that you don't really you're not really gonna treat it like Ryom Kippur after all. Halakum Tao Rabbiya Kiva Mitir Al Rabbi Akiva went and he found that Rabbi Yoshua was upset. Let me tell you something, to Rabbi Akiva. You should understand that whatever Rabbi Gabriel does is done. Because it says, these are the holy days of Hashem that are declared holy, that you should declare them, meaning the people, whether it's at the right or the wrong time. I have no other holidays except these. In other words, that uh, you should realize that whatever Rabbi Gabriel declares is correct. Meaning it's not correct necessarily scientifically, but it is what is binding, and those are the holidays that we have. He then came to Rabbi Tosu, Amalo, et If we start questioning Rabban then we're going to have to judge and second guess every betin that existed from Moshe Rabbeinu until today. It says that Moshe Aaron, Nadav Avihu, and seven the elders of Israel went up. Why does it never tell us the name of the elders? That every time three people rose up as a betin on the Jewish people. They are equivalent to the din of Moshe. In other words, the point is that even though Moshe Rabbeinu, I mean, even though uh, they're obviously not of the same quality, not all batin are created equal, some are higher quality, some are less quality. The fact is that um that uh uh, that whatever they did was binding whatever they was equally valid because they were they were fully vested as leaders of the Jewish people so basically what happened there was Rabbi Akiva convinced Rabbi Joshua then Rabbi Joshua went and convinced and spoke to Rabbi Dosa and then Rabbi Joshua himself uh, carried out the decree of, uh, Rabban Gamliel. He went to see Rabban Gamliel and Yom Kippur carrying his money bag and a stick on the day that he would have thought was Yom Kippur, but Rabban Gamliel had declared was Motsey Yom Kippur. Rabban Gamliel stood up and kissed him on his head. Amado said to him, Come in peace, Rabbi Vitalmidi, my teacher and my student. Rabbi, you're wiser than me in knowledge. But you are my student because you listened to what I said when I told you to come to show and that kept the unity of the Jewish people that there shouldn't be any machloket about the calendar about when the holidays were because that would really undermine uh, Jewish life and community life if that were to happen so it's so critical that the bedin be accorded the proper authority and that's exactly what happened here because we don't go and start second guessing bedin after beddin uh, to the times of Moshe Rabbeinu we see that the Torah tries to keep the identity of the Zikanim, of the elders anonymous because their identity is not important it's their position that is important and that confers them authority and we don't second-guess their decisions. And that's, that's the Mishnah. It's a very famous Mishnah. One question that comes up in the Mishnah that's worth further discussion is the case of the people who saw the moon on the 30th, and then it didn't appear on the 31st. What really could Rabbi Gamaliel have done? Because it didn't appear on the 31st, that means that he already declared that first day as Rosh Chodesh, which was Rosh Hashanah in this case. And then the next night, there was no moon appearing. So, but it was too late. He had already declared. the. What does it mean? Is he supposed to go back and undo what he already did? And now extend it to the 31st because they see that it doesn't appear on the 31st, they should extend it another day. That seems to be the only possible uh, interpretation. That the point was that even though he accepted the testimony and declared the first day of Rosh Hashanah, the 30th day from the previous month of Rosh Hashanah, based on the testimony of the witnesses, when it didn't appear on the 31st, then he could have just, he should have extended it and made the real Rosh Hashanah, moved it a day forward um, uh, at a, once that became clear. But that he didn't do that. That was the machloket between Rabbi Yoshua and Rabban Gamliel But there's a lot of discussion about exactly how that would work, retroactively changing a declaration that's already been made and so on. The Gemara says, Tanya, in the Bible that says, la, laim, Rabban Gabriel said to the rabbi, Ab So I, this is what I accepted, this is what I received. As a tradition from my grandfather's house, sometimes the moon comes uh, in a long way and sometimes it comes in a short way. In other words, even though you might think that something's impossible to see the moon in one position at a certain time and another position at another time, it is possible for it to move in unpredictable ways. Um, what is the reasoning? It says here. But it says, is what it should say. Well, what's his reasoning? What, what's his source? Hashem made the moon for holidays. The sun knows its way. The sun is the one that's consistent. But But the moon is less consistent. Sometimes it's quicker. Sometimes it's shorter. Exactly what that means. The Rambam explains in terms of astronomical uh, uh, concepts uh, in the Pirusha Mishnah. So that we should understand exactly uh, what possibly could have happened here. Because obviously whatever happened happened within what was scientifically possible. And Rabbi Gamaliel knew what was scientifically impossible. And he wouldn't have ruled on something in, that was contradictory to what he knew from his calculations had to be correct. Rabbi Chiyah, Chaziel sirah sira kai B'tzafra De'asurim One time Rabbi Chiyah looked up in the sky and he saw the old moon. On the 29th of the month. And that meant that, since it has to, there has to be a, a waiting period of at least 24 hours between the old moon and the new moon, that means that they could not sanctify the following day. He took a piece of dirt and he threw it at the moon. He said, how could you be here when we have to do Kidu Shechodesh tonight? In other words, we need tomorrow. It was a situation where they needed to make a 29 day month and sanctify the 30th day, um, to, to make sure that the holidays fell out, uh, in the ideal manner. And, uh, Rashi says that, uh, it was actually every Rosh Hashanah that he saw the moon. And they wanted to make that night Rosh Hashanah to work it out that Yom Kippur would not fall out, uh, adjacent to Shabbat. And, um, and so he threw dirt at the moon, so to speak, and said, you know, uh, disappear. We need to be able to sanctify you tonight. Let's sanctify the new moon to make sure that everything works out according to plan. And, and it says, uh, as, it says, as a result of that the moon disappeared in other words the point is that somehow or another they were able to uh, to sanctify the moon uh, as we discussed earlier in certain cases it even seems like they would uh, uh, prod the witnesses to say that they saw things that they didn't in order to make sure that the moon was sanctified but that's a whole long discussion beyond the scope of this the our learning right now rabbi zil la entav go to entav and uh, declare the new moon. And send me a sign, David Melech Yisrael When I hear David Melech Yisrael I'm going to know that you managed to succeed in declaring the new moon. Now, Rashi explains that this is actually a continuation of the previous story, according to Rashi's interpretation, that uh, he, that since the moon appeared in the sky on that 29th day, some people had seen it, so it would seem shady if they then the next day declared the new moon So because that night, it shouldn't really be possible for the new moon to appear. So therefore he said, go to a different town and declare it there and then send us a message from there. So, because uh, maybe, um, because even though the people here saw what, maybe what, what we saw, people in other places didn't see that, we don't want to declare the new moon based on uh, uh, something that the people in our own neighborhood are going to uh, are gonna complain about and say that it's not legitimate, but if it comes from somewhere else, they might accept it. That's the idea of uh, Rashi's first interpretation. He says, um, He says That it could be That's a more general thing It's not related to the previous story But it's just that The reason why Rabbi wasn't allowed To declare Rosh Chodesh In his area Was because there was a Shemad There was a persecution That they weren't allowed To uh, declare Rosh Chodesh In that location That's why he told them To go to uh, to a different place And do it So in that case It wouldn't really relate To the story per se It's just a different point That he was delegating Because of concerns About uh, a persecution That they were being subjected to but according to the first interpretation, it's actually part of the previous story and it's saying that since people saw what uh, was visible in the sky in that area and would therefore question the judgment of the Beddin, if they declared Rosh Chodesh the next day... Uh, therefore he didn't want to write in their face Declare Rosh Chodesh the next day He had somebody outsource it And then send the message back David Which is the source for why we say In, in the Berkat um David Merach Yesel Chai Once it happened That the, the sky became full of clouds And on the 29th The night of the 29th It looked like the moon was showing But it was really just the clouds They wanted to declare Rosh Chodesh They wanted to bet in and even the Bedin was willing to do it. That there's never a time that the that a month is less than 29 days, 29 and a half days, and two-thirds of an hour, plus 73 Chalakim. In other words, that you cannot ever have a, definitely can never have a 28-day month where the 29th day is or Chodesh, because the... There's never a month that is less than 29 days plus. And that means that you can either have a 29-day month or a 30-day month, but you can never have a 28-day month and therefore we cannot sanctify the um the new moon and make the 29th day the Rosh Chodesh for Oto Shel Ben that day the mother of Ben Zaza passed away. Vespida Rabban Hesped made a big Hesped, he made a big eulogy. Look, why? Because no because she was such a special person that she deserved it. Elakadesh yam Shiloh Kichubedin at the Chodesh, but just to show everyone that it wasn't Rosh Chodesh. that's what, therefore he was doing a Hesped, he was doing a eulogy. Um he didn't want the people to th- to think that um He wanted people to know that it wasn't declared as Rosh Hashanah because they had a funeral and he gave a a eulogy. So uh, he wouldn't do that on the Yom Tov. And that way they knew that the 29th day did not become Rosh Chodesh, even though people thought pretty sure, they were pretty sure that they saw the moon. It doesn't matter. It can't be. It can never be less than 29 full days uh, per month. The... uh, Goes on. Rabbi Akiva first went and talked to Rabbi Yoshua, then Rabbi Yoshua went and talked to Rabbi Dosa. Iba Who was upset? Rabbi Akiva or Rabbi It says he was upset. Was it Rabbi Akiva was upset or Rabbi Oshua that was upset? Tashmat In this bright, it's clearer that Rabbi Yoshua was the one who was upset. He said I'd rather lose a year of my life. Then have to deal with this to go on Yom Kippur to violate Yom Kippur. What is Yom Kippur according to my calculations? Amad Rabbi, because that was what Rabban Gamla was asking him to do. Amad Rabbi. Let me say one thing that you taught me. Amallo. Emura said fine. Atem Shalosh It says three times atim when it's talking about the uh, sanctification of uh, uh, of the um of the new moon or of the of the chagim it says otam but it's spelled atem otam three times right it says otam with regard ilamodashem shit go tam bemoadam it says also otam again in the it says that's the se- second time and it says another otam to tam um there's two times that it actually says that uh, that phrase. So there are three times says otam, right? These are the holidays. It's spelled atem as we saw above, but here the main point is on the otam. Otam shogikin, meaning these are the holidays even if the didn't makes a mistake. Otam even if they did it on purpose, meaning even if they know what they're doing and manipulating the calendar, still that's the holiday. muta'in, even if they are based on false premises, it's still legitimate the holidays that they declare. He said to them, that- Akiva, referring to Rabbi Akiva, who was the student, you really comforted me. In other words, I realized that there, the, there's no objective reality to the Chagim. The ha- Chagim are determined by the Bedin, even if they're wrong, even if they make a mistake or they do it on purpose or they have a crazy idea, whatever it is. The Bedin's declaration is what establishes the holidays, and I don't have to feel that I'm actually violating Yom Kippur because it's not Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day that the Bedin decides is Yom Kippur. That's the conclusion of the story. And then he went to Rabbi uh ben Horkinas. Why doesn't it tell us the names of the seventy elders who were with Moshe Rabbeinu? So they so that the people would not say um, in the uh, uh, in the future is, su- is such and such person, meaning about the Bedin of his days. Or well, what are are the people in our days like Moshe and Aaron? Are they like Nadav and Avihu? Are they like Eldad and Medad? In other words, they wouldn't listen to the people in the Beddin Din in their generation because they're going to say they're not as good as the people of the past. Okay. So Veomer uh, we and the pasuk says It says Hashem made Moshe and Aaron Veomer. And also says when it's talking about um, and there it, and there it says. That uh, Hashem brought the Jewish people up from Mitzrayim, and then it says also and that's in the same uh, speech that, that uh, Shmuel is giving to the people. That um, he says Yorubal, Bedan, Yiftach, Shmuel. He talks about the different shoftim, the different judges that Hashem sent to help the Jewish people during that period of time. So what is it talking about? So, gidon, that's gidon. We know that he's called Yerubal because he rejected the idolatry and fought against the worship of the Baal. B'edan is talking about Shimshon. Why is it B'edan? Because it comes from Shevetan. Yiftach is Yiftach. And who is the fourth person mentioned in the Pasuk? Shmuel. And, uh, and it also says in Tehilim that we read actually on Kabbalah Shabbat that Moshe and Aaron are among the servants of God and Shmuel is the one who calls out in his name. Meaning what? That Shemuel that Shemuel that olam. That the basically the Pasuk compares three of the greatest to three of the uh, less great. Kaleola. How so? Nomalecha. Nyurubal bedoro ke Moshe bedoro. Nyurubal in his generation, meaning Gid'on, is like Moshe. Bedan bedoro, which is uh, Shimshon, is like Aaron bedoro. Yiftach bedoro ke Shmuel bedoro. And Yiftach in his generation is like Shmuel in his generation. In other words, by putting Shmuel in the group of Aaron and Moshe, and also putting Shmuel in the group with Shimshon and Gid'on. And Yivtach, it's telling you that it doesn't matter what the what the caliber is of the leaders in your day compared to previous generations. You just have to follow the leaders of your day. Which tells you even the lowest person, if he's appointed as a leader of the people, he's like the greatest noble person. Uh, it says you should go to the Kohanim, the Leviim. And to the judges that are in that time, or to the judge that is serving in that time, obviously you can only go to a judge that lives in your time. So why is the Pasuk telling you that you should go to the judge that's alive in your time? You can only go to the Shofet that lives in your time. Meaning that a person should go to the judge in his time, and not worry that the judge in his time is not as good as the judges in previous times, because it says in in the in the pasuk, it says in Kohelet don't say, oh, the the generations, the previous generations are better than these, that uh, the old times are better than these. That may be true, but it doesn't matter. All you have are the chachamim of your generation, and um, you should go to the Shofet that exists in your time, not because uh, he's necessarily the best person in history, but because he is the leader of your time and the best that you have in your time. It's interesting that it calls Shimshon Yiftach, and Yerubal, Kaleoda, very light people, which is uh, definitely when you learn the Tanakh, they are clearly not as impressive leaders as other uh, Jewish leaders in history and that are recounted in Tanakh. And here the Gemara is very clear in saying that, in, that even Shimshon. <coughs> was not somebody of great substance, but because he was a leader in his generation, he had to be res- accorded the respect of leadership. So in the end, Rabbi Joshua did show up with his money bag and a stick. When Rabbi Gamliel saw that he came, he stood up and he kissed him on the head Peace upon you, my teacher and my student. Rabbi Shalim Torah you are my teacher because you've taught me Torah in public. And you're my student because I make a decree on you and you actually fulfill it. Just like a Talmud, just like a student. Uh, fortunate is a generation where those who are greater listen to those who are smaller when it's necessary, obviously, for the sake of the community. Certainly, those who are lesser should listen to those who are greater. What do you mean that it's a Kalvachomer? It's, it's an obligation. It doesn't mean that you need a Kalvachomer to tell you that those who are of lesser stature should listen to those of greater stature and greater knowledge. You don't need a Kalvachomer for that. But what it means is when the people who are of greater stature still listen to those who are of lesser stature because they recognize that it's important for the community to stay together and be unified. And uh, and that that's the path of Torah. So so too. So so once they see that, then even those who are that those who are lesser will listen to those who are greater. Because if they see that even those who are greater listen to those who are lesser, when it's necessary, they'll recognize that they should listen to those who are greater than that. Hadran alach im inan That's the conclusion of the second paragraph. We open with the third paragraph if the bedin and the entire Jewish people saw the new moon, they, they interrogated the witnesses and they didn't have a chance to say Mikudash before the day was out, so even though they wanted to sanctify the 30th day as Rosh Chodesh, time passed, and it's already the 31st day and that's automatically going to be Rosh Chodesh. So they, two of the members of the Bet have to get up and tell the testimony. And then they will say, Mikudash, Mikudash. They will say, uh, uh, they will say that the, the, uh, the um, Rosh Chodesh is uh, sanctified. Now, that's true. Even though these members of the Bedin saw it themselves, they can still serve as judges and receive testimony from the others. So if, uh, if uh, in other words, if the only people around are people who are on the Bedin, so they will serve as witnesses and have to testify before their own colleagues, as to the new moon. If three people saw it, and they are a Bet-Din, So if three people who are a Bet-Din saw the moon, they should take two two from among them, have them become witnesses, bring other colleagues to sit with the uh, remaining member of the the original Bet-Din. Because since a person is not trusted on his own, meaning that... uh, you can't have two members of the Bet-Din stand up and testify in front of the one member who's going to say, Mikudash, it won't work. You have to have at least three people there. So since two of the witnesses are going to be from the Bet-Din itself, you have to populate the Bet-Din with extra people. Now the Gemara says, Lama li b'chol Israel. Why does it have to bring us the case where the Bet-Din and the entire Jewish people saw the moon? It's enough to say that the, the Bet-Din saw the moon. Right? So the, right? The, the, that's enough. So so it's so there, you still you need this case. Why? You might have thought since the Betin and the entire Jewish people saw the moon on that thirtieth night. So therefore, really, it should have be it should be that the previous the previous month is only a twenty nine day month and the thirtieth day is Rosh Chodesh. you might say since everyone saw it, we shouldn't extend, we shouldn't push off Rosh Chodesh to the following day because everyone saw it and they're going to know that that we're playing around with the system and that the thirtieth day was really Rosh Chodesh. So That's why it's telling you that even so, we still push it off to the next day because they didn't have a chance to do the proper procedure. If the Dinah and the entire Jewish people saw the moon. Why do you have to talk about interrogating witnesses? Right? Uh, what's the relevance? Inami. These are two cases. One is where the Bet Dinah and the entire Jewish people saw the moon. The other one is where they, inv- where they interrogated the witnesses. But they didn't have a chance to declare the, bet- the actual Rosh Chodesh until, until the night went down. It automatically becomes a 30-day month. And the next day, the 31st day, becomes Rosh Chodesh. So since... Um, since we have already in the in the Mishnah, the Meubar that once that thirtieth day passes, then the thirty first becomes Rosh Chodesh. Why do you have to mention the Chakirat Aidim? Just talk about a case where they saw the moon and before they had a chance to declare the new moon. Uh, we, uh, we the night passed, the day passed etzar heunim בקאס אל Gadadich אמינה תהב חקירות אידים קתחלותינו מקדש מקודש אגש גימארדי בליליה מיד דאבה because you might have thought this that in a case where they didn't have a chance where the witnesses simply didn't have a chance to testify before the bit then or anything like that so you would say okay the 30th day passed it would have been Rosh Chodesh if they had been able to receive the testimony in time but they didn't so it got pushed to the 31st fine nothing you can do but maybe you'll say once we're already interrogating the witnesses we actually started the process and saying mikudesh, Mikodesh Mikudash at the end is just a formality and therefore it doesn't It's the fact that I started the process is enough to say that the 30th day could be redeemed as the Rosh Chodesh and even though I'm going to say Mikudash Mikudash at night and it's already the 31st, the fact that I started the process of din on the 30th should be enough. As we learn in Dinei Mamonot, When it comes to monetary matters, we can start a case on the, during the daytime, finish it at night time. Why don't we say the same thing about... You can't do it. That's why it comes to tell you. You can't do it. Even if they started the process already, if they didn't finish it, it's no good. How do you know? Maybe it is that way. No, because it says, it is a statute for the Jewish people, a law for the God of Jacob. When is a chok done? Meaning, when is something considered to be an official... uh, an official final matter only be gemar when it's finalized. And the Torah is calling it a mishpat, a judgment. Ma mishpat bayom, bayom. Just like, meaning the chok of Rosh Chodesh, which is when you officially establish it as Rosh Chodesh by declaring it, that is the mishpat, that is the judgment, and judgment has to happen during the day. So therefore the chok, the final, uh, the gemar adin, the final declaration of Rosh Chodesh also has to happen during the day, and therefore if they miss the time, they're going to miss out on declaring that they Rosh Chodesh, they're going to have to push the Rosh to the following day, the Gemara says, "If the bed did saw the new moon, then two people should, two of them should stand up and testify. Why should they they even have to testify in front of the bed? In the bed did saw it. Shouldn't seeing it themselves be better than hearing it from the from uh, from witnesses? It's saying they saw it in the nighttime." So, meaning they saw it in the nighttime, and the next day they need to make the kiddush or chodesh based on something. So, since the see, the sighting that they had was the previous night, and now during the day they're coming to do the, to discuss in the bet din about rosh chodesh, there's nothing for the the statement of mekudash mekudash to be based on because the thing that they saw was last night, and nobody said anything today. So, therefore, they have to have testimony today uh, upon which they can declare mekudash mekudash. That's the point. So now, so the Gemara says, If you have three people who are a bet so two other people should stand up as witnesses and they should bring other colleagues to join them. Same thing. Why don't we just say the fact that the bet saw the actual new moon uh, is better than hearing it from witnesses. Why do we have witnesses testifying to people that already saw it? Maybe I'll say like we said before. They were talking about where they saw it at night, and now they're coming reconvening during the day. So what they saw is already gone. In order to have some basis for the Kiddush Chodush, they need to hear some testimony. So it says, But then it's the same thing. So say, because before we already had this case, where we say that it was at night, right? we said, so it says, What we really need is the last one to show you that you need to repopulate the bedin if two of the members got up and you have only one guy. Because since we know that when it comes to monetary matters, we say that you need three judges, but if a person is a mumchele rabim, he's a real expert on the community level, he's a re- acknowledged uh, expert Dayan, expert judge. So then he can judge even biachid. you might think that he, this person should also be able to listen to the testimony on his own and declare it as a new moon on his own. therefore it comes like so you need the three. how do you know? Maybe it's true, maybe really the one guy could do Kiddush Ha'chodesh. And the Moshe, because we see that there is nobody greater than Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu, HaKadosh Baruch even from Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem said, "In order to declare the new moon, you need Aaron with you." So what you see is that even Moshe Rabbeinu could not do it on his own. Certainly, any other judge at any other time is not going to be able to uh, to do it on his own. And uh, and for that reason, we say that the uh, that the um, that you that if you have three members of a and two of them saw the moon, then the third guy has to bring two other guys to sit with him to convene the bet in order to declare the new moon.